Oh, hello. Hello. And welcome to the New York Mystery Machine. Town Hall, but for ghosts. Okay, we fixed that level. We, <laughs> I saw it coming. It was it was red at the top. Oh, boy. But now it looks like it's a good level. Great. Love that for us. Love that for new us. New levels, new year. New levels, new year. Um, how you doing, Christina? I'm good. I, the sun is shining, and it's a brisk January morning. Oh, yes. It's a brisk January morning. I am... Home recovering from mm-hmm. my my deviated septum surgery and feeling great and feeling immaculate. Yeah, I feel fantastic. Best you've ever felt in your life. Yeah, it's like just how you felt when we were like recording yeah. after your pregnancy. You felt also amazing. felt amazing. Well rested, <laughs> not at all sore. Not at all sore. Not frightened of aliens. And not frightened of aliens. Um, well, yes. Uh, I we are recording this before I get my my uh, nasal surgery. <laughs> so, um, in theory, I'm doing well, but who knows, really? Oh, God. Not me. <laughs> that sounded so... <laughs> Not me. For uh, all we know. <laughs> for all we know, I'm just miserable, a miserable old git. Um, but we're excited to be back uh, once again in this wonderful new year. And with New Year's, we have uh, new reviews. Mm. So it's probably good to, to talk we about should, those We reviews. should talk about those. Uh, this review actually comes from... Not just friend of the show, but friend in real life, uh, a, a a young a childhood friend of ours, mm-hmm. uh, Miss Sophie. Um, she wrote an amazing uh, review, and I wanted to share. I mean, first of all, she reached out, she DM'd us this on Instagram. Like, she was like, "I can't believe it's been I, you guys do the show. I didn't discover it until now." And I was like, "Oh my god, Sophie, listen to our show, amazing! So glad you listen to I our show." This. I screamed and, with uh, Adam, and yeah, Christina and I up. did theater with, with with Sophie years ago, and so it was just good to see. Old friends come out of the woodwork uh, <laughs> listening to our pod. And so anyway, Sophie gave us five stars on the old Apple podcast. And she said, what an amazing podcast. As a New Yorker and someone who loves true crime and conspiracy podcasts, this podcast checks all the boxes. The storytelling and commentary are great, deaf, worth listening. Um, Thanks, Sophie. Um, so thank you for your amazing review. Uh, and please send me your uh, info for mailing stuff so I can Get send you sticker. some stickers. New stickers are coming in. You guys, it's important that I now share the, the, the this what's happening with these stickers that mm-hmm. I've told you about three months ago, I feel. We have a new design. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's wonderful. So I ordered new stickers in November mm-hmm. from Stickerfied. Stickerfied. Stickerfied is one of my favorite companies in the world. They do not pay me to say this, but I will continually always plug them on the pod. We get all of our stickers from Stickerfied. It's a small company. I'm pretty sure it's just like one guy. <laughs> one guy um, and a laser cutter. But he's so dope. He's so kind. Um, he always throws in a few extra stickers to our orders. And the quality is just impeccable. Well, anyway, make an order. Late November, it's supposed to come. And... Like mid-November, I think it was before Thanksgiving, honestly, it it's supposed to come and the post office loses it. They have no idea where the package is. So I emailed him and he's like, oh my God, that's terrible. I'm like, yeah, we'll order some new ones. He goes, no, no, no. Like, I'll just reprint them and send you them. Which is so sweet. So then he does that. And I emailed him like, hey, did you send those stickers? He goes, yeah, I sent They said they, they were delivered. And apparently, you know how it is sometimes in New York City t- towards the holidays. They were probably left outside of my apartment and someone stole them. Because, you know, especially during this time of the holidays, you know, people, 
the the post office people are just like leaving things and walking mm-hmm. away. They're like they have so many packages to deliver, which mm-hmm. is a whole probably other issue with you know postal service and how much the volume they need to do every yeah. day. But like they just ring the bell, drop the package, and walk away. And so if you're not home, tough luck. Right. Um. So I emailed. I emailed them like, hey, it happened again. And so. I was like, don't worry about it. Like, we'll just figure it out in the new year. And he's like, not at all. Reprint them again. So I said, here's a new address to someone who, who has, a, has a door person's building. Mm, brilliant. Um, and we should get them soon. So the new sticker should be here. And so that's a long story about the stickers. Um, Maybe it's just a, a, a rabid fan out there who's like, <laughs> I need the stickers. I need all the stickers. Is that what it is? Uh, yeah, no, I'm sure. And um, Their whole wall is just plastered and... Um, yeah, and T-shirts. Uh, as you guys know, right now we we don't have T-shirts on sale just yet. I I was trying my darndest to to get a new um, home for our T-shirts by the new year, but I just wasn't able to. That the month really crept up on me with the holidays. So um, over the course of this next month, I will find a new home. We have a new place we want to use for T-shirts, but it's a little bit more complicated than the last place that we used. And so we're starting to figure out what the best place to do it is, um, comparing fees and quality. Mm-hmm. Um, do we want to like sacrifice some fees in order to like get better quality? So we're working on that. Um, that'll be when we do open that store, that new shop, um, it will be all of the old designs that were on the last shop, uh, and some new ones, including our, our new favorite, you know, Mm -hmm. design that's going to be implemented probably in a few things. I think we're going to be working on some mugs with that design as well. It's going to be our little, like our banner, our banner mug for our banner design for a while. We're excited about it. So we did that concert concert. We didn't do a concert. We We did that contest for giving away t-shirts and we said we were going to pick a new winner, pick a to pick two winners on our January 1st episode. But here's the trick of it all. (laughs) We recorded that episode weeks before I even announced the contest. Right. So we didn't know there was a contest when we recorded that episode. So we're going to announce the winner now. Um, and so we took into account um, comments on our Facebook and our Instagram because that's the only two places where you guys commented. All right. So we have all of the the the, the people who have uh, went through our Facebook and our Instagram and it commented, and again, this is we we were able we we got two extra veil murderous extra large T shirts, and we wanted to give them on out. We're going to do more of these probably in the new uh, as the new year progresses, as we whenever we change our company. But anyway, um, here are our two winners live on the air. Live on the air, I've I've got you can hear. <laughs> these are they're all they're, they're, they're on these folded pieces of paper. They're on pink. Uh, they're, they're on pink post-its, pink post-its, which are slowly sticking together. If we're being honest, we but I did it. shuffle. All right, here we go. So, our Adam, first pick winner. A card. Any, I can't do this. Any card. Okay, our first winner. It. it oh. Told you this to get together. <laughs> our first winner is Penny G. Penny G. Penny reached out to us on. Oh, I can even pull up her comment because Ooh. the contest was comment your favorite moment from 2023, yes. uh, and Penny said it had to be the Wicked Witch of the West. You guys are amazing. So thank you, Penny. Um, Penny. Shoot me on either Instagram or on Facebook your mailing address, and I will get you that T-shirt probably at the end of January after I'm recovered from my surgery because I'm not going to be able to, to probably do it this week. Because you to, don't want to go to the post office. I have to go do it this week. Um, all right, and our second winner is, is dun, 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 that's a drum roll. By the way, <laughs> that was a I could have just knocked on something, but instead I. <laughs> oh, Charles E. 
Charles, you uh, you reached out to us on the you always you're always reaching out on our Instagram, and we really appreciate it. And you commented on the old Instagram. You had said that your favorite moment was our one of our favorite moments, the introduction of Larry the Hipster Ghost. You know, a wonderful moment. So uh, if you guys can reach out to us on the social meds uh, with your address or someplace we can send you said t-shirts, we'll do that. Uh, ideally, probably I'll send those at the end of the month. Um, and I'll probably send you our new sticker if it comes in the mail, <laughs> if, if, if I <laughs> if forget no it. No one steals it. Uh, that's the goal. Uh, so thanks for all of you who, uh, who, who, who did our little contest. We're going to do more of these throughout the year. Um, probably some more with stickers, definitely some more when we get new t-shirts in. Um, but thank you for 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 doing it. A uh, lot of lot of lot of stuff at the beginning of this episode. Yeah, heavy. This is a heavy beginning. Sorry yeah. for people who uh, who first like time getting listeners. a story. Um, <laughs> so I guess we should just start you know the, the podcast. What are we doing today, Adam? Today today's case is called Murder at the Met. Oh, and the listener knows this because they saw the title, but you don't know this. I don't know this. Um, and this Met is the Metropolitan Opera House. <gasps> So every time we say the Met, you have to, in New York, you have to actually clarify. Clarify which mean, Met we're talking about. You can mean you can mean the the Metropolitan Museum of Art, or you can be the mean the Metropolitan Opera. I love both. I'm very excited. And to, well, excited about murder to Christine. Always. <laughs> so our story begins first and foremost. Ooh, I'm good at this sometimes. When I remember to do the trigger warnings. Ooh. Uh, there is sexual assault. There oh, is possible rape and. Um, Obviously, murder. So these are your trigger warnings for this episode. Sometimes we forget, and we have to like do it at the end yeah. and bring him in and retcon. So just it's the worst. But I remembered. Um, thank you for your patience. Anyway, our story begins on July twenty third, nineteen eighty. The Berlin Ballet is in town, and they're playing New York's legendary Metropolitan Opera House. The Met is located at Lincoln Center, which is a complex housing a few art houses, mm -hmm. including the Metropolitan Opera House, David Geffen Hall, David H. Koch Theater, and the Lincoln Center Theater. Uh, and within those realms are the New York Philharmonic, the home of the Philharmonic, the home of Lincoln Center Theater, the home of the ballet. Um, two ballets. Two ballets. The home of the, the opera, the New York City Opera. Like, all of those are housed in Lincoln yeah. Center in the complex. There's also... And it's freaking gorgeous. Yeah, and also off-site, a few blocks away, uh, is Lincoln Center Jazz. Like, mm -hmm. it's a it's a really beautiful complex. Um, how it got there is another story, and it's pretty sad. Um, oh. Well, it was part of the urban renewal plan uh, for Robert... <clears throat> oh, it was part no. of Robert Moses' urban <laughs> renewal plan. <laughs> we spit upon Robert And um, if you guys have ever seen the film West Side Story, mm. the original film, um, where they shoot the beginning of West Side Story is where they cleared out <gasps> all the tenements. I didn't know that. Where they cleared out all the tenements um, before they started building Lincoln Center, they were like, ooh, let's use this for West Side Story. Wow. So all... So all that construction sites, the bars, the that's yeah. all the the after they knocked down all the tenements and they wow. displaced a lot of people, obviously. Yeah. Um, a lot of people in San Juan Hill. Mm -hmm. Um, that was a neighborhood that used to inhabit that space. Um, and um, so yeah, and they do an homage to that in the the new West Side Story film because at the beginning of that film, um they do the dancing and they label it as uh, coming soon Lincoln Center. Oh, um, because wow. we know that that's what that's it was back in the day. Wow! So that's a that's a tangent. That's what that is. Yeah, a little, that's a little history little, tangent. History. Um, so that night at the Metropolitan Opera House, amid the orchestra, sat a thirty-year-old violinist named Helen Hagnes Mintix. 
She's a Juilliard graduate. She's an award-winning performer. She had made a professional solo debut with the Seattle Symphony while still a teenager. Wow. Super gifted uh, young violinist. The program for that night of the Berlin Ballet's 11-day residency at the Met was a four-parter. It was Stravinsky's The Firebird, Piazzolla's Five Tangos, Ludwig's Minkus's Don Quixote, and Miss Julie by Terry Rangstrom. Mm-hmm. Uh, now at about 8.30, 8.45-ish, after playing Stravinsky's score, the orchestra uh, with Helen in tow leaves the stage as the five tangos will use pre-recorded music. Hmm. So the orchestra has a break. The musicians use this 45-minute long ballet to take a little intermission of their own to relax and to just kind of like to be. Now, the orchestra is summoned back at the theater at 9.30 by stage management to perform Don Quixote. Mm -hmm. But there is a small problem. There is one single empty chair in the violin section. And that belongs to Helen Minkus. Oh, wow. Helen is missing. She doesn't appear on the stage. Now, who is Helen Minkus? Helen was from a small town in British Columbia. She's the daughter of poultry farmers. She was the youngest of three children. Her passion in life was music. When she was a kid, her father used to drive her 40 miles in his truck to take violin lessons in Vancouver. As a teenager, she would leave home and move to New York, where she learned where she earned her undergraduate and master's degrees from the Juilliard School of Music. So mm-hmm. when you talk about gifted people, yeah. she's one of them. She also studied in London, Italy, and Switzerland, performing with the finest orchestras that the world has. Uh, she toured as a musician. She played countries all over the world, including Turkey, Greece, and Jordan. Um, really accomplished. Um, moving back to the States, she married another artist named Janusz, uh, Janusz Minkus, who was a sculptor. Uh, in the world of professional musicians, she had uh, a really great track record. She was doing everything you do when you want to be the best at that. Right. Goes to Juilliard, graduates both undergrad and graduate, um, travels the world, yeah. and ends up at the Metropolitan Opera House, the yeah. most famous opera, one of the most famous opera houses in the world. Mm-hmm. Helen not making it to the stage on time was not just a strange occurrence. It was actually quite unheard of. Mm-hmm. According to David Black, the author of Murder at the Met, Quote, in high-profile orchestras like the Met, you get people who don't miss their cues. Again, these are the best of the best. You right. can't just be like an amateur playing yeah. for the Met. Like, you are the best at what you do. And so the fact that she misses her cue and does not get on stage raises a lot of red flags because it's not... Innocent mistakes like that actually don't really right. happen. So... The show carries on without Helen. They continue to play. They don't stop. Um, They're missing a violin from the section, but they still continue regardless. But people in the orchestra are generally concerned. They don't know where she is. Stage management has been alerted, um, and and they also don't know where she is as well. Um, She's, for all intents and purposes, missing. Right. At 11.30, once the show had ended, Helen was still missing. And now the show's completed. No one was, was being sent to look for her in, in large droves mm-hmm. during the show. But now that the show's over, there's a little bit more concern about it. Uh, friends were concerned as they knew that she wouldn't have left the building without her violin. Mm-hmm. And that violin was sitting on her chair uh, after she finished the the first bit of work for the Right, so she, the show. she leaves the violin, goes on stage, off, you know, and, out of the pit. And goes out of yeah. the pit. 
uh, yeah, she leaves the pit, the violin still sitting there. So it's strange that she would e- go anywhere yeah. without her violin. I mean, first and foremost, violins are for the ones. I mean, second, it's her instrument. It's her livelihood. Right. Now, at the time, Janish, um, her husband, has been waiting for Helen outside of the Met in their truck. Uh, when she didn't show, he drove to their Upper West Side uh, apartment, hoping that maybe their wires kind of just crossed. And she decided- had no one told him yet that she didn't show back up. No. Okay. Again, 1980. True. There's right. no cell phones, so right. he's just outside. Just there was no way of contacting. He's not thinking anything of it. He's yeah. waiting for her to show up, and then he waits a little bit, and she doesn't show up. And he's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe she didn't know I was picking her up. They had just moved to the Upper West Side, mm-hmm. so maybe she just forgot that he was getting, mm-hmm. she was getting picked up. Maybe she just didn't realize it. Maybe she decided to walk with a friend. Yeah. Um, in any case, he's like, all right, maybe I missed her. I'll go home and see if she's there. She, when he arrives home, she's not there. Yeah. He waits for a bit to see if she shows up, and she doesn't. Um, all of a sudden, around midnight-ish, there's a knock at the door. He's hopeful. Maybe she just like forgot her keys, right. lost something. That's caused the delay. But instead of being Helen, it's one of her colleagues there to return her violin. Mm. Um, at this, he calls the police immediately yeah. and says, you something's know, wrong. something's wrong. Um, my wife plays at the Met and now she's missing. They don't know where she is. I don't know where she is. Um, in addition, colleagues at the Met also call the police. So now the police is coming in two Sections basically, right. um, one on behalf of Janusz and one on behalf of uh, colleagues at the Met, and they get down to the Metropolitan Opera House. When the authorities arrive, they look through Helen's locker and they realize that the clothes she traveled to the venue in were still there, mm-hmm. meaning she's currently still wearing her performance blacks. Right. Um, meaning that she didn't grab her stuff and leave at all, all of her stuff is still right. there. So they will then surmise that, well, that means Helen must still be in the building. And if she wasn't in the building, wherever she is, she's gone unwillingly because mm-hmm. she doesn't have any of her belongings. Right. So they do a search of the building. Authorities comb the opera house, but it's a really difficult process because each floor of the Met is an absolute massive labyrinth. Yeah. In fact, police investigators were warned by some of the stagehands, quote, do not go anywhere by yourself because you can go somewhere, make a wrong turn, close a door, get lost, and realize you're locked in. And this is really true. I'm not sure if you've ever seen the Metropolitan Opera House. Um, If you look at it from the seats in the audience, it looks massive. But if you ever look at, I believe you can also go to their website and they show you a lot of the backstage stuff. It is a massive thing. There Just, are tours you can take too. There are tours you can take. It is super massive. It looks very different from when you're behind there. You think to yourself, oh, it's just like this little backstage spot. Mm-hmm. And, but it's not. It's basically, you look at the Metropolitan Opera House, the building itself, the stage and the and the auditorium are actually one of the smaller parts of it. Everything else behind it is so massive because these huge sets. If you ever see a lot of the the operas that go there, um, in particular, I saw La Boheme there a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, at the end of Act One, they move the entire set as a full complete unit. Mm-hmm. They push it back. It goes under, and a new one rises up. It is absolutely massive. At the I think it's the first act of Aida. Uh, they have actual horses come on stage. Like there is room for a whole bunch of horses backstage. Yeah, there's like stables. There's like animals. There's yeah. 
it is an absolute like crazy. You do not want to get lost back there and you don't want to lose someone back there. And this is what these police authorities are facing right now. A lost person in this mammoth space of the Metropolitan Opera House. There's different rooms. There's different nooks and crannies. And it feels like miles and miles of space and hallways and storage. So the police, the police go and, and comb through the entire building as much as they can and they work throughout the night and they come out short. They don't find anything. Frustration was building. Hope is depleting. Family has been notified. People are very worried. People are concerned. Uh, and people are thinking that they're starting to, to really think that maybe we're not going to find this person until the following day. The following day, an investigator uh, makes a horrifying discovery. As they were finishing up their rounds, they decided to do one last long shot and headed to the roof of the Metropolitan Opera House. Mm-hmm. This person's thinking, I don't know, let me go someplace no one's gone before. Let me also get a, even a bigger sense of the space as a whole. Maybe I can get a, a, a good eye for everything. Mm-hmm. So he goes up to the roof. He looks around for a bit. He peers down a shaft. And then what he finds is absolutely gruesome. He sees the body of Helen. She's nude. She's bloody. She's broken. It looks like she's been thrown off the Met's six-story roof and had fallen roughly 30 to 45 feet to her death. Mm. She's bound. She's gagged. Oh my God. She's blindfolded. Her purse and her clothes were near her. And the only strong invest- lead the investigators had was a palm print on a pipe near where the body was thrown. Oh. It looked as if there were attempts of sexual assault. Um, and that the perhaps failure of that attempt led to her murder. Mm-hmm. After a day-long autopsy, the New York chief medical examiner concluded that the death was, quote, the result of the fall, okay. and that Helen was certainly alive when she was thrown from the roof, and that she had died sometime between 9 p.m. and 11.30 p.m. So while the show was going on? In fact, logistically... Where she dies is no more than not too far from the actual auditorium, just separated by walls, right? right? Like so, right out, almost like right. If you like dig through the walls, yeah, she would. You would find her dead body. That's horrible. Down the shaft. In light of the discovery and the timing and the fact that the building was so complicated to navigate, authorities suspected that the killer had to be familiar with Metropolitan Opera House. For the first time, I am not suspicious of the husband. I know. I was so concerned. I was like, don't <laughs> say the husband. Don't say the husband. He act, He did not I am 100% it. convinced it is not the husband in this one. It's not Janish. I think it's Janish. It's, y, it's J-A-N-I-S. That feels like Janish. Janish or Janish, yeah. I'll, I'll take Janish. I'll take Janish. Um. Yeah, they were like, there's just to to know where to go on the roof. Yeah, there's no way some random person is doing this. Right. There has to be someone who works at the the theater, yeah. and it's no way uh, a suicide. Right, it is no, clearly no, no, no. murder. So when they make this decision, this discovery, knowing that this killer had to be familiar with the opera house, they realize that. The only way to figure out who did this is to talk to every single person who worked there. Which I'm sure is massive. A police spokesperson said that a team of 25 detectives would interview every Met employee, 
which included well over 800 staff. They did this within the next 24 hours of finding the body. Damn. 800. People were called in on their days off. People, every single human being. Police interviewed every worker from stagehands to costumers to box office employees to ushers. There was no stone being unturned in terms of the folks being interrogated. Mm-hmm. Now it's worth noting. It's worth noting. That Helen was found bound and blindfolded. Mm-hmm. In paying closer attention to the knots and how they were tied, authorities began to link this technique with that of the Met stagehands. Felt very specific. Um, this tied in with the theory that the killer was familiar with the Met with the Met's maze-like backstage mm-hmm. area. So, knowing the backstage, having this very like specific knot that wasn't an amateur's knot mm-hmm. that was very um, taut. Yeah. Um, led them to believe that perhaps it could be someone who works backstage. So they kept that little nook in their pocket yeah. as they interviewed people. They would show photos of Helen to everyone backstage and they spoke to the hundreds of workers. It's also worth noting. It's worth noting. That showing Helen's picture was actually essential because there's a large chance that some people, most people, had never seen or met Helen. Let you know, when companies do residencies anywhere, including the Met, it's quite departmentalized. Mm-hmm. There are musicians and performers who may travel with the piece. There are stagehands who work directly with the piece, but there's also stagehands who work directly with the Met. There's electricians, another specialist hired by the Met. There's ushers who work there all season long for the Met. So there's a real chance that if you're going to show this picture to a random mm-hmm. usher, they're never going to see this one violinist's right. face ever right. um, because their view of the stage is from the back of the house. Right. <laughs> Um, and the orchestra in this is down in the pit. So they'll never see her. So showing the picture becomes essential. And um, it's not, it's actually becomes more likely that when they're asking, have you seen this woman before? So many of the answers are honestly no. Yeah. I don't know this person. Now the orchestra did. The orchestra all knew her, obviously. A lot of the performers knew her as well. But for the most part, a lot of the performers, most of the performers didn't know her because Mm -hmm. again, they're on stage. She's in the pit. Mm Um. So the search for answers continue until finally one woman remembers seeing Helen the night before. Hmm. A break in the case. A miracle. The woman's name was Laura Cameron Cutler. She was a dancer with the Berlin Ballet. She said to the police, quote, I had seen her the night before. During the recorded music ballet, I was waiting for an elevator that was near the stage, and there was a woman and a man, and they came and started waiting for the elevator, too, and she spoke to me, and that was Helen. The elevator went down to the basement first, and I got off the elevator, and they went on. According to Cutler, Helen had been interested in finding out where a famous Russian dancer who had been performing that night was. Her goal was that she wanted to connect him uh, with her husband for potential job opportunities. Mm. So she asked Cutler where she can find him. And before Cutler could answer, the man that she was next to answered the fourth floor. Hmm. But that wasn't true. Because the performers were all on the stage level. And most workers who would even be in that area of the opera house knew that. Right. When you're in the opera house, it's very clear where all the parties are. They have to be. It's so massive. So there's signage and directories as to where all these people are at all times Mm -hmm. because it's really important to be able to be like, I need to talk to electrician's department. I need to see a performer. So that that man made an incredibly odd mistake 
is actually kind of perturbing. Yeah. Unless, of course, it wasn't a mistake. Right. Unless the person chose to answer incorrectly. Yeah. But why would they choose that? And and who even is this mysteriously wrong person? Well, we'll find out after the break. The New York Mystery Machine is brought to you in part by listeners like you. That's right. Head on over to our Patreon, and for as little as $3 a month, you can help keep the pod growing. By joining, you can access a whole bunch of cool stuff, such as mini-episodes, swag, exclusive playlists, and more. Head to www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine to find out more and become a patron. That's www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine and join our ever-growing community today. So you listen to our podcast, which means you must love mysteries. But how would you like to solve your very own mystery? Hunt a Killer is an immersive murder mystery game told over the course of six episode boxes. Each box is filled with different clues and physical items such as autopsy reports, witness statements, and more. You'll use these clues to solve an ongoing murder mystery. Work solo or as a team of sleuths to finally crack the case and reveal the murderer. So do you think you have what it takes to hunt a killer? If so, head to www.huntakiller.com and use the code NYMYSTERYMACHINE for 20% off the first box. That's www.huntakiller.com and the code is NYMYSTERYMACHINE. Sign up now and begin the hunt. Bow, bow, bow. Okay, we are back. We're on the hunt for the murder of Helen Mintix. Helen is found naked. She's bound and dead after being tossed off the roof of the Metropolitan Opera House. Mm-hmm. Now, eventually, a witness named Laura Cameron Cutler claims to have seen Helen and a stagehand in an elevator together on the night of the incident. Cutler says the man was dressed in workman's clothes. Mm-hmm. That leads investigators to suspect that he had been a stagehand. Mm-hmm. And that then solidifies the theory that the knots had, in fact, been those done by a stagehand who knew how to tie a tight knot. Um, Cutler made a sketch of the man in the elevator, Hmm. and it seemed to match a certain stagehand, and that stagehand's name was Craig S. Crimmins. And he was seemingly incredibly nervous while he was being interviewed by authorities. He willingly gave his fingerprints, and wouldn't you know... They matched the palm print found on the roof. Mm-hmm. Crimmins was 21 years old at the time. Further investigation of Crimmins led investigators to find out that he also missed his cue at the same time Ooh. Helen failed to return to her seat. Now, all the other stagehands had been looking for him. Again, well-oiled machine. Yeah. If you miss a cue, things get fucked up. Right. So other, the other stagehands were looking for him. And it would be well too much of a coincidence for two people to go missing at the same time and one to end up murdered and the other one to end up totally innocent of right. anything. But a coworker had claimed that he saw Crimmins in the electrician's lounge asleep during the queues. Interesting. But when further pressed, the detectives found out, as the coworker admitted, Crimmins asked him to lie. Oh. 
I was so. about to say the coworker was also in on it, but here we are. No. Crimmins asks the coworker to lie for him. Doesn't give any reason. Um, the reason just he doesn't want to lose his job or yeah. any case. But I don't think sleeping on the job is going to help your case. Yeah. Crimmins was brought in for questioning multiple times. He would continue to to talk of his innocence till finally he eventually, after multiple conversations, confesses to the murder of Helen. So what happened that fateful night? Crimmins reveals that he made a pass at Helen in the elevator. And when she rejected him, he was enraged. He said he was a bit under the influence that night. So showing up drunk to work is never a great thing yeah. to do when you work at the Metropolitan Opera House. Yeah. And he would continue to make passes at her, to which she continued to deny. He then pushed Helen through the cavernous backstage areas of the Opera House, down to the sub-basement, where he tried to remove her clothes and rape her. After she resisted, the frustrated Crimmins took her to the roof of the Met and tied her up. He said, quote, She tried to hit me. I grabbed her hands. That's when I took out a hammer. I just held it to her and told her to walk up the stairs. Crimmins would tell the detectives, according to the prosecutors. When she saw the hammer, she started taking off her clothes. She took them all off. Helen was able to free her legs and tried to make a break for it, but Crimmins caught her, tied her up again, and this time he gagged her. He tossed her possessions down an air conditioning shaft and kicked Helen down behind them. She fell six stories to her death, and her body laid at the base until she was discovered the next day. Just that's awful. So awful. I mean, the events of that evening just. That's really being in a basement first and foremost is yeah. terrifying. Yeah. And then having, you know, be threatened with a hammer and raped and tried yeah. to be raped and, and, and dragged all the way upstairs to the roof. That's awful. It's just awful. Yeah. In April of 1981, Crimmins went on trial for Helen's murder. Uh, with him confessing to the murder, one would think the case would be open and shut. But it wasn't that simple at okay. all. So according to the New York Times, the prosecution filled out the rest of what happened that evening. Um, taking into, into account his statement, taking into account the evidence on the body, they pieced together the following. The prosecution said that Crimmins took Helen from the elevator on the second floor and down to a stairwell to an area several flights below. He then forced Helen to remove her tampon that she was using, and he, quote, attempted to rape her for five minutes. When she tried to escape, um, Crimmins caught her and pushed her up the stairwell to the sixth floor. Once on the roof, he tied her hands and feet and began to leave, but noticed her feet were loose. Mm. Helen again tried to flee, but was once more caught. Crimmins retied her feet and gagged her, stuffing one napkin in her mouth and tying a second one over her mouth. Before he then, before he would, quote, lay her down on her stomach and cut off her clothes. As he was leaving, he heard Helen make a noise. And that's when he went back and kicked her over the ventilation shaft. The defense called the retelling of the events, quote, interesting, but they didn't refute any of it. Instead, Crimson's defense attorney, Lawrence Hoshizer, argued at trial that the confession was coerced, mm -hmm. taken in secret with no lawyer present. Mm. Hochheister said during the trial that police were under, quote, a tremendous pressure 
and were receiving demands from their superiors and public demands for a solution to the case. As a result, he said his client, who is said to have an IQ of 83, cracked. Crimmins, Hoschauser said at trial, was someone who, quote, has particular problems concerning adults and authority figures and takes the easy way out of solutions involving verbal pressures. Hmm. If you say that X happened and that he simply had forgotten, he's more willing to accept that position than the next person. Hmm. So their entire defense is that he's coerced into that right. entire thing. And that everything they said was because, you know, the police needed a person. Right. And, they, and there was no lawyer present. We don't have a recording of the confession. Yeah. In, okay. Prosecutors, however, argued that Crimmins' confession included details of the scene only the killer would know. Details such as the hammer, details mm-hmm. such as the removing of clothes, the timeline of it all. It wasn't so vague. It was quite specific. Mm-hmm. So on June 4th, 1981, Crimmins was convicted of felony murder and attempted rape and was sentenced to 20 years to life in prison after the jury deliberated for 11 hours over two days. Wow. Crimmins has attempted to apply for parole every two years since 2000, but has been denied each time Mm -hmm. uh, due to the severity of his crime. The last time he applied and was denied was in 2022. Oh, wow. So he's probably coming up on another uh, attempt at it, which I I assume will not be passed. Uh, Helen was survived, obviously, by her husband, uh, Janish, who would go on to sue the Met after his wife's death. Yeah, I was going to say, I wonder what there has to have been. There must be some sort of massive like change in. I don't don't even know what the change would be, but like in how responses to things like this, like the protocols that go into place or like. I mean, this was 1980, but like camera systems or things like that, you know, that yeah, must I, have been implemented after. I this. think after it, yeah, cameras are, are, are more active at the opera house uh, in non-sensitive areas such as, you know, obviously not changing rooms or yeah. bathrooms, but hallways. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think the policies are, are a bit different now as mm-hmm. well. Um, This would not be the first, this would not be the only death to happen at the Met. There are other oh. deaths that happen later in years. We can talk about that. We can talk about that in future episodes. Uh, this is the only um, murder case coming out of the Met. Okay. Um, yeah. And. Wow. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, that was a rough one. Yeah, it's a doozy. 40 minutes. I'm going to figure it out. Um, yeah, that one's a doozy. Um, quite open shut. I mean, yeah. the investigators find their their uh, culprit yeah. within days. Um, yeah. Yeah. People were, were were calling this case the Phantom of the Opera um, as he was right. a murderous phantom that they didn't know who was for a few days. So that's what the newspapers that, were dubbing it. I was going to say, that's very New York newspaper headline. Yes, very New York newspaper headline, calling him the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Um, wow. I have never heard of this. And I never heard of other people going missing. So I'm excited for future episodes about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People our, our opera series. Someone New York Mystery Machine goes to the opera. Yeah, someone uh died during a show once. Wow. Um like I, I believe natural causes, oh. but died during I mean, the so show. Bad, but... Um and there's other like weird, suspicious things happening out of the opera house. Mm. Um there's rumors that there's hauntings at the opera house as well, which is a obviously a story for a different day. Yep. Um that we'll cover. And this one has no paranormalities to it paranormalities to it 
That's the word I was looking for the first time. Thank you for that, Adam. That was a depressing, uh, sad episode, but a fascinating one. Yeah, we're hitting the new year really well. We we started with a (laughs) missing person. Get ready for next week. We we went missing person, (laughs) murdered person. I can't wait till what dreary thing we have coming next week. Um, there's no there's there's no cheer. No cheer in January. Starting off 2024 with a real depressing streak. Well, sometimes it must be done. Mm-hmm. There are just some days that must happen. Um, well, as always, uh, what we didn't do is is tell you to um, to join our Patreon. But do that. So I'll do that. Join our Patreon. That's it. Uh, no, join our Patreon <laughs> for as little as 3 or $5 a month. You can join our Patreon. Uh, when you join that $5 level, you get a bonus exclusive every month, um, which we're trying to rename to something really cool. So we're working on that. We're tired of calling it the Patreon exclusive. You want to name it something really fun. So if you have any ideas, let us know. Send our way. Uh, so yeah, you can join our Patreon by going to patreon.com slash nymysterymachine. Um, we love to hear your reviews like Sophie did at the beginning of this episode. Uh, so that go to head, head over to the Apple Podcast or Spotify and drop us five stars or Audible, drop us five stars and leave us a review. Uh, let us know what you love about the show. We'll uh, we'll read your, your review on air and we'll throw you some stickers. Um, new t-shirts are coming in the future. I'm working on it, I promise. And... Uh, Yep, I think that think is all it. I'm currently, when you're listening to this, uh, laid up in, laid up in my bed with a broken nose. So you know, send me your send your, your best good, wishes. Yeah, um, we're back. But you know what? Regardless of my broken, gosh darn we're nose, back we're next back week. next week with an all new episode of the New York Mystery Machine. So I've been out of maze. I've been Christina Marnelli. And thank you ever so much for taking a ride on the New York Mystery Machine. Tell all about ghosts. <laughs>